0: Loving your brain is, is really a, it's a way of life. And if you think about anything in the world that you love, do you ever think about your brain that way? I mean, do you ever think about your brain like, oh my gosh, there's this, there's this thing up there that I, I need to love. And there's so many ways to love it, through exercise, through food, through meditation, through yoga, through breathing, through eating. Kind of endless ways and constant things that happen every single day in our life where you have a decision. Hey guys, this is Kevin Pierce, I'm a former professional snowboarder and the survivor of a traumatic brain injury and you're listening to Heads and Tails Podcast.
1: Welcome back to the Heads and Tails Podcast, I'm your host Kevin Som, and each week I bring you an inspiring athlete story of perseverance or expert knowledge in the field of sports health and safety. Just like flipping a coin, you can't control what happens to you in sports or in life, you can always control how you respond. This is my response after suffering a traumatic brain injury in a high school football game, and I hope it leaves you feeling both inspired and informed. Welcome back to the Heads and Tails podcast. This week we have former pro snowboarder who also sustained um, a traumatic brain injury at the end of his snowboarding career. Um, that was just shy of the 2010 Winter Olympics. His name is Kevin Pierce and he's also the founder of the Love Your Brain Foundation Uh, and they help to try to help people better understand you know their most vital and fragile human organ which is their brain which I fully am am aware of. Um, So Kev you want to start off by just talking about like how you got into snowboarding and what you love most about the sport? Yeah totally right on thanks
0: so much for having me on. It's uh Snowboarding has always been super special to me in a huge part of my life, and I grew up with three older brothers. I'm the youngest of four boys, and I was always kind of like any other younger brother, always wanting to be like my older brothers and, and do what they did and be like them, and they were uh, into snowboarding from a super young age, and I wanted to copy them. You always want to copy exactly what your older brothers are doing, so... I was copying them and doing what they loved and then realized that snowboarding was this out for me. I hated school. I was awful at school, right? Like school was the worst thing in the world to me because I believe a lot to do with my my learning disability. I'm I'm very dyslexic and so I had the I had this opportunity where I could snowboard and then I started getting really good at it and it started like being something that I started to make money at and really became something that I saw as something I could do where I didn't need to go to college and I didn't need to take that same normal path that everyone else took. And I've always been a lot different in my in my entire life. I've always wanted to do things different. And going snowboarding was a lot different than going to college. And then I, then I started winning. I started going to these contests and I started winning them, like the biggest contests in the world. These ones over in Japan and in Europe and in Norway and... I started winning all this money and it was like, I don't, this is what I can do. And it became like this reality that I could, you know, make a living from snowboarding. And then I started beating Sean White and Sean's that guy that's everyone's out again. Everyone's, everyone's out to go for. And then I started winning and beating him. And it was like this, this almost like unreal, feeling and like it wasn't even like it was happening that I could go and I was never thought I was going to be able to do that and then I
1: like became the best in the world at it like what do you credit that to you think like just your love for the sport or you know because I always have a theory that the youngest brother or the youngest sibling is always going to be the best one because he's trying to outdo his older siblings so is that what you credited to or you know it yeah. sounds like you didn't go out with the mindset of like You know, I want to compete. I want to make money. Like that wasn't what you set out to do. It's just more like the love of the sport.
0: Yeah, I would say it was a lot about my older brothers and always wanting to beat them and be better than them and always just having that competitiveness where I wasn't going to settle for for average. And I, I fully took that into snowboarding and completely transformed what I took from my brothers that I took to slopes into the hills and I it it's so worth for me and then at the same time that's what I've taken to recover from this severe traumatic brain injury that I sustained on New Year's of 2009 it's been this this mission to to never settle for average and to never be okay with just you know healing mediocre but instead to to know that I can and I will heal my brain to the fullest potential
1: that's that's awesome and I I watched the your your documentary The Crash Reel recently and for anyone listening to this definitely go check that out cuz it's really an inspiring story just to kind of see how your family was involved and the support that they gave you and how hard you you push yourself and, and wanting to get back and losing that identity. So definitely, I'll put that up in the show notes for this episode. Um, but since we're, we're here, can you kind of take us through that accident? And, you know, you said, we we, we were talking before, how the week before you, you suffered a concussion. So, um, yeah, so Kevin and I both had second impact syndrome. So, uh, Kev, can you just kind of tell us your story?
0: Yeah, so uh, the crash reel, you just touch on that. I'm so proud of that movie and I'm so amazed that what is able to come of that and I so urge anybody out there listening to go and to take a look at it you know whether you have been up on the mountains and you've been on a skis or snowboard or you don't you could care less about snowboarding in the winter sports you're gonna really take something away from this movie it has a lot about my brother David who has down syndrome and his whole role in my recovery and then my mom and dad and all that they did. And then Adam and Andrew, and it's just really more a story about the power of what a really positive, supportive family can do for somebody going through something super hard and really tough times. And it It was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks man. It is, it is so incredible and I'm so proud of it. And I mean, it starts when I'm what, like, 10 months old and then just ends a couple of
1: years ago so
0: yeah it i was amazed run... at how much
1: how much footage you had it, it, like it definitely makes the story you know
0: yeah they said that they got uh lucy walker in the whole film team at hbo got footage from 230 different people to make that movie wow that's that's quite the production yeah they had like 20
1: terabytes or something of
0: footage just kind wow. of Incredible. All right, so
1: so let's uh let's talk about that initial concussion that you you sustained. I'm I'm assuming during training, uh, prior to your second impact syndrome.
0: Yeah, so I'm psyched that you bring that up because that is one part that is that is kind of the only thing that's not in the crash reel, and that's the kind of the only part that's missing of my story and that nobody really knows about, and so on. December 23rd 2009 was the first Olympic qualifier and in Olympic year they have five contests and it's your top two results out of those five events and my first the first contest I did was in Copper Colorado and I got a bad concussion there on December 23rd and I kind of was able to hide it and I didn't let anyone know because I didn't want them to tell me I couldn't snowboard anymore or I couldn't ride so I fully hid this concussion and then my accident was on December 31st, 2009. So only a week later did I have this second impact. And that is, you know, one of my main missions now in life is to share this message that if you do get a concussion, which so many of us are, and which is happening so widely around the world that you need to allow your brain to heal and you need to give it the time to to rest and recover and that's what so many people aren't able to do because they don't our brains don't give us the information that we need a lot of the time and they don't tell us what's going on unlike any other part of our body you know you break it have you broken any bones
1: Uh, I broke my collarbone once but okay so
0: so just use that as an example when you broke your collarbone you knew it was broken right your brain was telling you how bad it hurt yeah
1: exactly yeah yeah
0: and you were like damn like there's something wrong in my shoulder like my collarbone is not how it's supposed to be but then when you break your bone for some reason our brain when you break your brain for some reason our brains aren't able to give us that information that they can give us when we injure any other part of our body and your brain doesn't always know when it's broken and so it can't give you the information that you need to to heal it always so for me it's been what has allowed me to heal the most is there's a lot of things but one has been Listening to the people around me and understanding that I don't know everything and that although I might think I know everything and that I'm the best and that I'm, you know, this unbreakable person that listening to my mom and my brothers and these people that have a better perspective and my dad giving me this information that that I need that I'm not able to get has been the most important for me.
1: Yeah that that's awesome and that's super evident in in the crash reel for sure. So can you talk to us about, you know, after you sustained that second impact syndrome, what um, you know, physical, what was the most difficult parts of your recovery, you know, physically, mentally and emotionally?
0: Well, it was it was pretty pretty unknown there at the first, you know, bit I was in a medically induced coma for the first 5 days and then I spent the following 36 days in critical care at the University of Utah, and I have no memory of that first month. I have absolutely no memory at all of being in Utah for an entire month in critical care, and it's not until I was flown to, the, uh, to Craig Hospital in Denver, Colorado that I was able to, you know, start remembering things vaguely and really starting to understand but never not for months and months was I able to understand how much this brain injury was going to impact my life forever and there's not been one single day since December 31st 2009 that I haven't been reminded of this brain injury and I've healed so much and I've come so far and yet my I still am working so hard every day on healing my vision and that's my biggest issue today is uh having double vision and for anybody that is able to listen to this i guess the real message here and what i hope that you can all know and understand is that whether your brain is injured or you haven't injured your brain and you know somebody with a brain injury that they will never stop healing i'm seeing a doctor right now in chicago at a place called the mind eye connection and she is telling me that there's no question that she'll be able to fix my vision and I'll have single vision. And um, she doesn't know when because the brain is so unknown and healing is so unknown, but she she totally believes that without question with the with the different ways that we're going about it right now that it will 100% be healed.
1: Yeah, I mean I I had double vision when I first was in the hospital with my injury too. So I could I know how frustrating that that could feel. But fortunately mine went away pretty quickly after that. And I remember in the crash reel you said that at one point in time it was like you were had the eyes of like a fly where you saw like six different, you know, pictures in your vision. So, you know, that that's gotta be crazy. I'm sure you're wondering, like, is this ever going to go away, you know? Um,
0: yeah, it's insane. And I've had, when you watch the crash reel, you'll see, I went and got that eye surgery uh, at UCLA and the, the doctor there, she was a really amazing surgeon and did this incredible job on my eyes. But then at the same time, she goes in the crash reel, she says it, she says, you will never have single vision in all gazes. You will always have double vision. I've had multiple people tell me that, that this is how my brain was injured and I'm going to have to live with this forever. And I haven't, I've never, I haven't been one to settle at, you know, I haven't settled and say, oh, well, these doctors told me I'll have double vision. So I'm going to have to live with that. I say, screw that. I know. And I truly a hundred percent believe that one day I will have single vision. And it's been, it's been going to doctors in New Hampshire and Connecticut and California and in Oregon and in Denver and in all over the country and having people and people and now being in Chicago, having this one tell me that she truly believes that she'll be able to get me back to single vision. So it's not like it's come easy and it hasn't come quick, obviously, if I'm still talking about this almost seven years later. But the fact is, is that I'm still healing and I'm still getting better every day.
1: That's awesome, is I believe, too, that one day you'll just wake up and it'll be like, holy crap, like, everything's yeah, fine. totally. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, all right, so what was the hard... Like, obviously, when you were in the hospital, they probably told you that, or they didn't recommend that you go back to snowboarding. So that's part of what my podcast is about, you know, trying to help athletes kind of transition into uh, a new identity, you know, because, you know, I played football for my whole life, and then I was told I would never set foot on a football field again, you know, when I was being wheeled into surgery. So... Um, like what, what, how was that transition for you? I know from the crash reel, you know, you, you were tempted to go back a few times and the whole time I'm like, no, I'm like, what are you doing, dude? <laughs> like, come on.
0: Yeah. Well, I, a lot of the time for me it I wasn't willing to accept it. And I, my brain was telling, giving me a lot different information than what, my family was seeing from the outside and what the doctors were seeing. And I didn't believe anybody. And I, because of my brain was telling me that I was fine and that I was all good, I thought I was going to be able to, to get back on the slopes and compete in the X Games and go back to the Olympics. And I was going to have no issues. What the hell were they saying? I couldn't do these things. And it wasn't until that moment that I got back on my snowboard two years later, was I able to really understand how badly I had been injured and how badly this brain injury was going to affect my life forever. And it wasn't until that moment till I, it really sank in that, okay, my life has been changed forever.
1: Wow. I mean, and plus, like, like you just said, you go from being like the top of the top, to like people dream of being at that level of success at anything, whether it's snowboarding or a sport or a job, like you were at, you know, the peak of, you know, Success. So, and then it all comes crashing down with this one injury. So how did you kind of adapt mentally and emotionally to that feeling? Just knowing that, you know, you, you got so far and then now you're, you know, a hundred steps back from, from there.
0: Yeah, it was, that was probably one of the, hard, that was not probably, that was definitely one of the hardest. That was the hardest thing without question of this, of coming to terms and coming to realization that the thing that I had loved that I love most and that I was best at not that I did love most that I do love most snowboarding, that that was stripped away from me and that I wasn't going to be able to do that in the same way that I was doing it and be able to live the life that I was once living and coming to, coming to terms with that, it still is tough for me and being around my friends like I am right now. And being with Danny, who's going to New Zealand tonight to go snowboarding. He's going down south, going because they have snow in New Zealand. So he's flying down there for the next month to, to ride and not. And that's what I used to do. It was all year. You just chase the snow and not being able to do this and to do that anymore has just flipped my
1: life upside down. So I've had to figure out something new for me. Do you think that being around like your friends who still snowboard and being fully immersed, I mean, you, you're you from Vermont, right? So obviously it's kind of hard to get away from that kind of environment. Do you think it makes it harder on your recovery or do you think it makes it easier?
0: No, I don't think either. I think that for me, I've come to accept that that is no longer my life and that I I'm not going to snowboard competitively anymore and i need to let go of that and i need to right. move on and figure out what's next for me
1: okay so we're kind of get getting to what what you are doing next um yep. but before we get to that so you're so you're so you are snowboarding a little bit just not competitive like you used to
0: yeah exactly just still up there uh doing it safe and smart you know always wearing a helmet and always just being in deep powder where if i do take a little you know fall that i will just be in the in the big cushions of the powder
1: that that's very safe. All right, cool. Um, So what was it like the first time when you got back on, on the snowboard or was it like, Uh, just? (laughs) it sucked. It was
0: awful. And it wasn't until that moment that I rode down that I realized, okay, this is for real. Like I really am not able to do this. Like I felt like having snowboarded for as long as I did starting at four years old and being 28 now, I, 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 I got good and I knew how to do it. And when I got back on it, it was almost like I didn't know how to do it anymore.
1: Right. And it was hard for me to watch like during the crash reel when you were at that point, like I fell for you, man. So, um, I'm glad that you've kind of found a new outlet with the, the love your brain foundation. Cause you, so can you kind of explain to the audience, you know, what your, your mission is?
0: Yeah, totally. So that's where I'm at now is. Trying to do everything I can to teach the world and people that have gone through and have suffered from brain injuries is how they can love their brain. And when I first heard this, I didn't really understand it at all. And I kind of laughed at my doctor when he told me I needed to love my brain. And I thought it was the dumbest thing ever. And I was like, I had no interest in it. And then as we got deeper in it and I spent more time with it and started to understand it, you know, it's, it's actually a way of life. And when you hear love your brain, love your brain foundation, you think of this foundation, but in fact, loving your brain is, is really a, it's a way of life. And if you think about anything in the world that you love, do you ever think about your brain that way? I mean, do you ever think about your brain? Like, oh my gosh, there's this, there's this thing up there that I, I need to love and there's so many ways to love it through exercise, through food, through meditation, through yoga, through breathing, through eating, kind of endless ways and constant things that happen every single day in our life where you have a decision and you can make a choice. OK, I'm going to go eat that. I'm going to go eat that banana or I'm going to go eat that Snickers bar. You can choose. And usually you go to the Snickers bar because our brain's telling us that candy, it tastes good, right? Sugar is good. Right. Sugar, you know, but in fact, sugar is poisoning and sugar is so bad for us. And... Then at the same time, when you listen to me say this and you're on this show listening to this, you're going to say, oh my God, I love sugar. I love candy. Everybody loves sugar. And I'm not here to tell you (laughs) to stop eating candy and to cut sugar out of your life because that's impossible. But instead, to maybe cut back on it. And when you do have the choice, to make the choice of taking and picking the thing with less sugar because of how bad it is and you know, being healthy and being smart. And so instead, it's just kind of changing your lifestyle a little bit. You know, putting a helmet on when you get on a bicycle, not being stupid. And that's really what I'm doing now is living the the smartest, you know, healthiest, safest life, but at the same time I I have a lot of fun and I, you know, I get to do a lot of cool things and I am so happy and I am so, you know, thankful that I've been able to get to where I have, but it hasn't been easy and it hasn't
1: been without a ton of work. Yeah, man. I mean, I love what you guys are are doing. Um, What treatments kind of helped you the most during your recovery process? Like you mentioned a bunch of like, yeah, changing your diet, exercise and stuff like that. So what's helped you the most during your recovery? Uh, You know, I think it's been my attitude
0: and working as hard as I have at every single thing that has been put in front of me. And, you know, at the beginning stages, it was with the physical therapist and the cognitive therapist and all of those rehabs that I was spending, you know, six to eight hours a day doing every day in, in Denver for three and a half months. And then it was taking that home and continuing to, to, to make all the right choices to heal my brain and all the, the most possible ways
1: I could. All right. Awesome. Um, so, how can yoga improve uh, improve your recovery in a, from a brain injury? Because it's something that I've tried a couple of times, but I, I just don't understand. I just don't understand the connection. So, can you kind of explain how that could help someone with a brain injury?
0: Yep, and that is part of what we're doing with the Love Your Brain Foundation. Is we've created this meditation and yoga yoga and meditation program that we're launching nationally, and right now it's in five different states and it's going to continue to grow and we're going to continue to try and roll it out around the country. And it's been super successful. And it's a, it's a much more kind of restorative low level, not low level, but more calming flow where you can really focus on your breath and the mind body connection is what we're mostly targeting. And for anybody it's for all levels and wherever you're at and whatever you have going on, we're hoping that we can help you heal in the best ways possible. And I have healed so much through yoga as it has really allowed me, helped me the most to just slow down and, and just kind of take it a little bit easier. And when you're in a yoga class, you're not being judged and no one's looking at you or telling you that you're doing something wrong, but instead everybody's so opening and happy and, healing and it's just such a positive
1: space to be in awesome i'm definitely gonna try to get back into a a yoga lifestyle because i feel like i could probably yeah use that you still should too. man yeah.
0: and try and get in don't try and go for the the most high level fast moving class but go into it and just being like okay i'm just gonna go in and breathe and really kind of focus on on being in the present moment and not worrying about what the next podcast is you have to do or the next is what i'm constantly (laughs) doing (laughs) exactly always think about what's next but when you're in yoga you don't have to do anything except be in that studio at that moment and that is so hard for us to do and
1: it's it's a really special thing when you're able to do that awesome this is a kind of random question but uh Being a snowboarder, do you prefer hot yoga or regular yoga? I I really
0: enjoy all types of yoga, and I like to go and switch it up. And, you know, I don't always need a fast, high-level flow. And sometimes for me, it's just about slowing down and just taking it easy and not worrying so much about always having to go fast and, you know, move and do so much, but I, I kind of always switch it up and do different kinds of stuff.
1: All right, cool. Uh, what advice do you have for, uh, other snowboarders to prevent injuries like, like yours? Uh, making smart decisions
0: and, you know, injuries are going to happen. And I think, to prevent them is impossible but you can make the right choices so maybe they won't be as bad and if they do happen to know that there are ways to heal and that we're all going to face some sort of issues in our life and if you haven't yet you will i i can promise you that and it's not about what you're facing but how you deal with it and i feel like i've found a good way and through this foundation of how we've been able to help and support and continue to to guide and to give the information to help people heal has been incredibly powerful.
1: Um, what do you say to people who don't wear helmets, snowboarding, skiing, biking?
0: Um, I'd say you're insane. I'd say it's absolutely crazy. It's like not wearing a seatbelt in the car. It's just, I don't know. I feel like we're so lucky to be able to get out onto the mountains or get out on our bikes or even just to get outside. is such a luxury and, if you're gonna do it, why not be smart about it and be safe exactly. about it, so you can continue to do it and continue to and that's to the do exact those. point,
1: yeah, yeah. So you can keep doing it instead of yeah, like yeah. Um <laughs> But all right, so I feel like there's a, a culture of toughness, you know, in the sport of snowboarding. I, I, just from watching the crash reel and stuff, like there's always that pressure to go bigger, faster, stronger, harder on you know all your jumps. So how has like the sport of snowboarding kind of addressed this to make the sport safer or or is there still a lot of room or a lot of improvements that need to be made?
0: Um, I think that it's moving in the right direction and it is, you know, people are becoming more aware, number one, about helmets and, you know, about making safe, smart decisions, but, you know, action sports are, it's, it's, what kind of almost what comes along with it and if it's not a, a tbi a traumatic brain injury it's going to be a concussion or something's going to happen and it's about dealing with it in the right way and making the right choices after it does happen
1: awesome is there like one thing that you could think of that would make the sport safer that wouldn't like take away from the excitement of the sport
0: mm, that's a hard one i don't think that there is one thing mm. No, yeah, because that's
1: kind of like the nature of the sport. It's like football. Yeah. It's like yeah. well, you can make you can make football safer if you take the hitting out of it, but then it's not football <laughs> anymore. So, um, yeah. all right. And then I have another question that I, I didn't ask. I didn't send this over to you in the beginning, but I've uh, thought of it. So, how has Dave Mirror's death been affected, or affected the extreme sports community?
0: Well, I think that it was. It's been clear that his death and you know his suicide is all because of the amount of times his, his brain was injured and the amount of you know hits he hit he got to the head. and you know I, I think that it's it's such a hard one because it's it's after seeing how people are starting to be affected after this long term is is kind of scary and it's kind of crazy of what it can do to you and you know how invisible it really is because, from people that i've talked to you wouldn't really know that he was in that place that he was ready to do that and that it just kind of happened and it's just insane of how little we know about our brains and how little information there is and how complex and complicated they are but it's cool because to be in this space right now of doing this and how much is behind it and how much we're working on figure trying to figure it out and I believe how much will be figured out about it in, you know, the next whatever it might be, 10 or 20 years is, is really cool
1: to to be a part of it. But we're starting to wrap up here, but what other injuries did you have along, along the way during your career? I'm sure, you know, by trying to try out new moves and stuff that you got hurt pretty frequently. So besides the brain injury, were there any other injuries that you had to come back oh, from? Oh yeah.
0: Oh yeah. That's part of it. That's part of these action sports is injuries and recovering from them. I, uh, you know, I definitely broke my wrist three times. I've, I've sprained my knee. I never blew my knee out, but I've broken both ankles. I've, I've broken a shoulder. I, I never, you know, blew my knee out, but like I said, I did have a couple, you know, bad hits. So it was kind of constantly dealing with injuries. And if it wasn't breaks, it was sprains. And it was something that would, you know, come up that I'd have to deal with. And I always was able to deal with those and, and recover. And this has been one that I have been able to deal with, but I'm still recovering from, you know, this, this far out, almost seven years later, I'm still recovering
1: almost that's six awesome. years. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so where can people find you and, and support the the love your brain foundation?
0: Yeah. It's so cool because this is, this is, that's what it's all about is, is supporting this, what we're doing. And it's been incredible of what we've been able to do but at the same time it's been hard of the raising the money and getting the awareness out there and allowing people to hear about it and if you can just go to loveyourbrain.com and there are different places that you can give yoga or you can whatever it might be that you want to help with it's all on the website and there's these really cool products that we're selling and all the money's going straight towards helping the recovery and I see you got that that
1: Lululemon uh, in there now
0: yeah, yeah, we've, uh, they've been absolutely incredible That's big partnering time, yeah.
1: with them, yeah, they are so special and such an incredible company and have been such a huge supporter of ours. That's awesome, uh, and then last question, what's your personal definition of perseverance?
0: Uh, I think my personal definition is to never, to never stop and to never quit at average, but always to Continue working and to always put everything you can into it and to never, you know, stop just because you feel okay or things
1: are going all right, but always to keep working and to continue fighting thanks so much kev i really appreciate it and i appreciate what you guys are doing with the love your brain uh, foundation and for anyone who's listening to this it's a must see you have to go see the crash reel it's like it's extremely touching and to see you know where you you went from when you were hurt to where you are now and how you've kind of matured you know and dealt with that identity crisis that i know i have um... And i know i i always I don't know too many people like us who survived second impact syndrome, so it's always cool talking to another survivor, and we all have similar struggles along the way, so I appreciate you taking the time to to share your story. Hell yeah. Thanks for having me on, man. Everyone, go check out loveyourbrain.com and
0: see all the amazing things we're doing, and thank you so much. This has been great.
1: No problem. It'll go all up in the show notes.